Welcome to the Wealth Stream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing great. I have a wonderful guest and I just got a photo sent to me, my granddaughter Eileen. It's her first day of first grade, so that made oh, my day. Oh man, that's a yeah. huge big day. First grade, man. That, that, how old are you, Tim? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, I, know I started, than uh, got married when I was four. How's it? <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Well, that, that's perfect timing. Um, well, that's exciting. And, and even more exciting is that you have Lori Barkman on the show today. Now, now, why'd you bring Lori on? Well, I've mentioned in the past in the podcast, you know, I've been a business owner myself since, uh, let's see, 1988. And mm-hmm. I've actually been formally working on my own succession plan since 2008. Um, I've done a couple major restructurings of the business. So it's been 13 years in the making. I'm still working on it. And the point is, I understand how hard it is, how long it takes, and how many moving pieces there are. And like a lot of the listeners, um, I love what I do, but you know, at some point I want to eventually exit on my terms, my timing, my control. Um, and really in the past, I'd say 20 years, I focused, uh, since I've been focusing to a great extent on exit planning with business owner clients, I've worked on dozens or helped dozens of clients um, guide them through the maze of these decisions. So, but today... I wanted to throw out a bit of a twist, uh, Eric, because I've talked a lot about exit planning, and I think people think when they think of exit planning as winding down. But today I brought in a guest to really talk about um, a lot of things, but partially is growing to exit. You know, I've mentioned many times on all my podcasts that I'm a big fan of teams, and, you know, I'm certainly not smart enough to guide clients alone. I try to surround myself with great advisors, and Lori Barkman is one of those. So I brought on Lori today. I'll introduce her, but I just I thought the listeners would love to get to know her, and I think she could be an amazing part of any any business owner's team. Great. I look forward to learning from both of you. Excellent. So I, I really found Lori because I was listening to her Success Stories podcast. Um, she talks about best practices, um, has a lot of great guests, entrepreneurs, and really focuses on some of the great stories about how people go through this process. Um, Lori is the founder of Small.Big, um, which is an advisory firm, a strategic advisory firm for owners of small to mid-sized companies. Um, working, she's, we talked about a little bit before this podcast, she does a lot of work to maximize their enterprise value prior to when they exit. Uh, she works a lot with ex, uh, succession planning with them, and um, she's got a specialty in some M&A strategies. So I'll just get right to it and introduce Lori to the audience. So. Lori, hi. This is um, welcome to my podcast. I appreciate it, and I thought I'd just kind of briefly ask you how you got into the business. Let's say, Tim, Eric, thanks so much for having me today. It's great to be here. How I got into the business? It started twenty-five plus years ago with a career and an interest in businesses that are small to big. How do we get there? And most of my experience has been in operating roles like marketing, for example, and strategy, where we're growing the top line in startups, in large enterprises, and everything in between. 
And then in my career, I was fortunate to have a role as a CEO. I was hired in from the outside to run one of the subsidiaries of a privately held company. It was a third generation family-led company in the transportation logistics space. And so as things go, with luck and hard work, the company was acquired by FedEx, a company we've all heard of and, yeah, and appreciate sure. uh, the, that, that company and how they do acquisitions. And so being on the inside, uh, being part of that as the executive team, obviously I was up, up close and with, that, with that transaction and, and then the integration thereafter. And so that experience, I think, is really the start of my journey in realizing how much I appreciated all the complexities of what goes into mergers and acquisitions, and then my interest also in working with entrepreneurs more closely to help them achieve their goals. I've been in professional services now for a few years, and but again, I have a 25-year you know, operating experience uh, that I bring to the table. I've been in private equity, and I also have experience at a law firm and helping them run business development, which is really where I got connected into the exit planning, value acceleration network, uh, and working with professionals in a collaborative way as trusted advisors on behalf of business owners. How do we work together with business owners to help them, again, achieve their goals? They've worked so hard to build their business, and they didn't do it alone. So why would they look to now transition or have a succession and plan that out alone? It's very difficult to do that. And so that's the role that I'm interested in playing as a trusted advisor with business owners. That's awesome. And I I mean, one of the things that intrigued me when I listened to your podcast and I read more about you is just your uh, diverse experience, because oftentimes you meet somebody who is a CPA or an attorney, or you know they have a very specific uh, niche, and you've really done so much. So I imagine you add a lot of value to the clients. Um, I've seen a lot, done a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know, one of the things that also interested in me was, you know, when I talk to business owners, oftentimes about exit planning, it's when they're at a point where maybe they're starting to think about it, maybe late in their career or you know, at, at older ages possibly, but you know, I, I've listened to some of the information you provide talking about growth through acquisitions as a way to exit. So can, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what do you mean, uh, what do you think of when you, when you say that? Well, it's really not so much on the exit side in the short term, because if you are looking to acquire businesses, it's really about growth. And if we'll, we could talk about both sides of the coin, I think, in this conversation. But on the front, the front end would be, if, you're, if your business is, is growing and you want it to grow, there's different ways to enable that growth. And so one way to look at it is we call it organic growth, where the company organically, meaning the people inside of it, the who's working on the team, uh, partnerships that you have, how you're going to market products and services you offer, what problems you're solving. All of that sounds easy, but it's not, right? And so I appreciate there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, especially if you're a founder. And so I've worked with founder-led businesses and it can take you know five, 10 years sometimes before you really find that, that growth curve you're looking for. I just did a podcast interview yesterday with a gentleman who's the founder of a manufacturing company, 35-year-old company, they've reached uh, over 50 million in, in revenue, quite impressive. And they've had a, an impressive 18% growth rate 
for the last 10 plus years, which is again, wow. very impressive overall, but also impressive for manufacturing. And so yeah. we talked a lot about that. What's his differentiation? What's their, what do they, what do they do better in their, with their productivity, their efficiencies, but also again, what problems they're looking to solve in a, in a unique way for their customers. And also one of the other things that he had mentioned was how they look to serve uh, markets that are, are more disruptive. So technologies that are more disruptive and they chase that business and they look to grow that over time. Well, imagine if you're a technology company and you started from scratch, it just takes, it just takes a while to get things going. So that's what I mean by organic growth. And so for companies that maybe are reaching a plateau with where they are, if they're privately held businesses, you know, family, family led or, or, you know, perhaps a, a, an entrepreneur has purchased the company already, it's an existing entity. So they're, they're concerned with organic growth, but then they're also might be thinking about other ways to grow. And so growth through acquisition is, is certainly another strategy. And, um, there's another gentleman who's been on my podcast, uh, the podcast called Succession Stories. If you want to listen to this episode with Nelson Anderson, he was a he was an entrepreneur, purchased the printing, like a like a franchise type of business from his father-in-law for about four hundred thousand revenue. Small and you know small company. Well, if you flash forward eight years later, they've done five six acquisitions, and they're all small. What we call tuck-in acquisitions, and for him. He was looking for certain things, what would make them more productive, help them increase their geography, their reach in the city that he's in, which is Baltimore. And so this growth through acquisition, sometimes we think is just for the big guys, but it's not. It, it's can be, it can be a very uh, effective way for family businesses to continue to grow. There's another gentleman who's been on my podcast um, up in the Massachusetts area. He and his brother are fourth generation, and that's absolutely their strategy is to do these tuck-in acquisitions, and they've grown considerably through that strategy. Well, when someone's looking at um, a tuck-in, let's say, or when you're advising somebody to grow through acquisition and looking at tuck-ins, I know one of the things I've talked a lot about on our podcast is uh, value drivers, you know, things that drive the value of the company higher, things like process, uh, management team, um, diversification of client base. So when you're advising somebody who's looking to grow through acquisition, what are some of the things you recommend that they consider? Or, or what's the process maybe you follow in helping them to go in the right direction to look at the right types of tuck-ins? In general, there's about eight drivers of value in a business. So if you're looking to bring your company to market, you're certainly going to want to showcase, you know, those those attributes to a potential buyer. Likewise, if you're looking at acquiring a company, these are the same attributes that you're going to look at in your diligence process. So it, it's it's kind of works both ways. So I, I think this is a really great topic because it really does tie in with what we were talking about earlier with exit planning. And so it just depends on which side of the transaction you're on. You can look at it as reverse diligence, right? If you're looking at your own business to say, how am I, how am I standing up against these eight attributes? And so just to sort of start, we don't necessarily need to talk about all eight, but certainly the financials of the business are really important. You know, how big the company is in terms of revenue, how stable it is or its growth rate and its profitability what industry it's in, but also we talk about its differentiation. What is its competitive moat? 
to uh, to quote Warren Buffett, what are those attributes of the company that gives it an edge over your competitors? Also, we look at risk. Risk is in the eye of the beholder, certainly. But for a company you're looking to buy, or if you're looking to you know to sell, either way, someone's going to evaluate the level of risk in that in that future flow of of profits or that cash flow, and so how how much they believe that that to be strong, right, or weaker, they'll apply discount factor. And so there's different ways to value a business, whether it's a multiple of EBITDA or it's a multiple on revenues. Either way, you're, you're, you're trying to come up with some sort of value for this prediction of future cash flow. So risk elements that could detract from, from that value might be the employees. Do the employees are they uh, are they if they're really valued? Do they have long-term incentive agreements? What's going to keep somebody motivated to stay? Do we know who the most important people are? Uh, things like the owner themselves, they he or she might be the most important person, which in and of itself, if you think about it, is a risk. Well, what happens if that person leaves the company? Will it stagnate? Will sales fall off? A lot of times, especially founder-led companies. The owner is the rainmaker. They are the ones who have the relationships with the customers. They make them happy. They know the market really well, yada, yada. What happens is, is that they also are the chief firefighter, problem solver. And so the business can't thrive without them. And a business that can't thrive without its owner is actually pretty much a worthless company. And there are sure. a number of them out there. <laughs> and that yeah, and that's right. not going to bode well on your valuation. So we look at that. We call it the owner's trap. And we look at what we call the hub and spoke, the hub and spoke um, measures. And and by the way, I have a, an assessment that I use that I can measure with some numbers and where are where is a business today? It's important to know where they are on these eight dimensions. Are they green, red, or yellow? And not only that from their own score, but also how do they stack up to their peers based on their industry sector? So those, I think is a, so it's important to do that at least annually to check in on, on where you are and then also use that assessment to set your strategy and your course. So if you're using that to evaluate companies, it can give you a good way to do diligence because again, you're, you're identifying where might be pockets of risk. So maybe maybe give an example of an assessment you might have done this year for somebody that came to you who's looking to grow through acquisition and then maybe talk about some of the things you might have might be recommending they do, you know, well before they even look at who they want to maybe acquire or tuck in. Yeah, there's one there's one individual I spoke with who he and his brother have an investment group and their space is in the call it outdoor, you know, signage, advertising types of space. And so they've been looking at companies to acquire. We went through the assessment and the assessment was on his current business, but when he was going through it, he was thinking, oh, wow, this would be really helpful to use as a diagnostic if I'm looking to acquire a company and thinking about, you know, what are those aspects that would make it a great fit or not. I think for fit, you know, fit really comes down certainly to the financials. It has to be the right deal. Um, you have to have the financing lined up and all of the, all of those things. But really, I want to talk about culture. This comes up a lot when I talk with entrepreneurs, founders, business owners, when, on, again, on either side of this transaction needs to be fit. And that's hard to put your finger on. So what makes it easier to 
discern is when a company has a well-defined culture, starting with core values, doesn't have to be a lot, can be three, four, five, and having them on a piece of paper isn't enough. We have to define the behaviors, we have to use it, bring it to life in a way that makes it meaningful. So it might be when we're on, on track for performance, we celebrate. When we're off track, we recognize where we're off track. We use it as a way to hire and retain. We, 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 we stack ourselves up against these behaviors and these norms and these values. And so that comes up a lot in conversation uh, around, around fit. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of process that you help your clients with. Um, so in, the, in that example, you know, where you talked about the investment group, you know, how, how does someone like that engage with you? What, what's the process look like when, you know, so oftentimes I talk to clients or business owners, they're looking to exit. And, you know, I, I, I try to help them evaluate where they're at, where they want to go, where the gaps are. And oftentimes the gaps um, are the things you're talking about, which, you know, I'm not qualified to really help them with as much. And I like to bring in people like yourself. So how, how does someone engage with you, a business owner, if they're looking to acquire through growth, exit, et cetera. Yeah, and I love that we're talking because I think this exit planning trifecta is so important. If they are working with you, Tim, and they're understanding how much money they need to fund their lifestyle and all the things that goes into that, whether it's travel and, and planning for their families, all, all of that, and they're gonna probably start to set some sort of expectation for what they might need to either continue as, as income from their company, or if they're looking to sell what they might need as a sell price for the business. And so I think starting with you as a wealth advisor, financial planner is super, super important. And then the question is, what is your business worth? And a lot of business owners have no idea. So that's where, that's where my process typically starts is understanding the strengths of the company, where it is today, and we'll do an assessment and come up with a score on these eight value drivers, as I mentioned. But then also we can do a, a valuation of the business so they get an understanding from the market perspective what it's worth. And we look at different comps and, and different resources like that. And that's super important. So now we might have a gap. So if they think their business or, you know, they might think their business is worth something and it's worth less, then obviously sure. that's a gap. But sometimes people get the, the case, wrong yeah. perception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have to address that. But then also, I think this larger gap, if I can call it that, of what do they need to retire or live the lifestyle they want versus what they might get from selling their company today. And that could be a big delta. So we have to we have to then go into planning mode around strategy. And I like to tie strategy planning and exit planning together. They don't always have to be in the same meeting with the same people. But if we think about it from a big picture, there's a two-prong approach. With, the stre with strategic planning, what I love about it is it's galvanizing the team. It's galvanizing the senior leaders. It's a great way to include the next level down of management and, and key teammates and really getting them excited about the future of the business and aligning on what needs to be done, which by the way, should then tie back to this, this exit plan, value planning type of approach where we've identified three or four key areas that we need to address to help reduce risk and, and increase value. 
And so if we say, well, okay, and I'm working with the owner in a consultative process for that and as advisor, that's the exit value planning side, strategic side that ties in the not only the the business building side, but also, you know, let's be real. This is this is personal. This is a personal decision, especially if their name's on the door. And so the more they work with the process and, and are part of it, and it, it does take time, then they'll be more ready when the day comes. And it, it's going to be a year, two years, five years, whatever that is. I see a lot of people who think they know what their business is worth and they don't. And then also just having realistic expectations about bringing it to market because it can, the matching of finding the right buyers and sellers, and that's what I do with my M&A work with Stony Hill Advisors is I'm a partner with Stony Hill Advisors and I can also represent uh, these these owners in a transaction and help them uh, be get rewarded for all of their hard work. Yeah, it sounds like I know just my understanding of the industry and how exit planning and growth works, and you're you're doing a lot of things. So how do you how do you work with like how how is your firm organized? Like I know I'm also interested. I'm jumping around a little bit, but uh, your name, small dot big, you know. So so how did you pick that name, and what does it represent to you in, in terms of how you work with clients? <laughs> the origin story. The origin story has to do for small dot big has to do with the game of pool billiards. I was playing pool one one evening many years ago against someone from Australia. And in the US, we say solids or stripes. Well, they said small dot or big dot. Oh, okay. And you can't unsee that right once you see it you can't unsee (laughs) it (laughs) so it just struck me as sometimes you see something new you have this aha moment there's someone that has identified something for you in a new way and you're you're Mm -hmm. grateful for that and that's the the aha moment that i look to bring to clients and then also more literally going from small to big this this sense of how do we help you get to where you want to go and achieve your goals and so that's the other part of the name yeah and I know just from working with clients and for 30 plus years, and I know you doing the same, you know, oftentimes uh, these business owners get one shot at it. You know, like that investment group you talked about, they're going to certainly do more than is typical. But oftentimes the business owners I'm working with, it's 30 years of their life. They've created this, this, this business. It's everything to them. It's their legacy. And they get one shot at it. So you want to make sure that you help them do it right um, so that they don't they don't they do, don't do it incorrectly and, and basically take too much risk as you talked about right um so i guess just to kind of close out i i really believe firmly one of the reasons why i was excited about having you on the the podcast today was you know i'm a big fan of team i'm a big fan of bringing in advisors who can really help business owners grow and exit um so that on their terms their timing they control it you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I started looking at mine in 2008, made some major restructuring in 2018 in order to try and make it happen because, as you said, I looked at the value drivers, you know, what what are going to be the drivers of value for my practice and how can I grow that so that I can provide financial security for my family? How can people get hold of you if, if they would like to engage you, work with you? And, and again, I'll just say to the audience, I highly recommend they do this. So to talk about how they can get a hold of you. And what will happen? Well, that I, I certainly am open on LinkedIn. Would love for people to reach out directly there. And if you'd prefer to contact me via email, 
My email is l-b-a-r-k-m-a-n at smalldotbig.com. So that's my email. And my website, same, is smalldotbig.com. And you can schedule time with me there as well. And I look forward to speaking with you. I love to talk to people about their companies, their entrepreneurial journey, what goals they have. I love what you just said, Tim, that people are able to grow and exit on their own terms. I I share that philosophy. It's not always about a sale. It might be a succession to family. It might be, uh, you know, maybe a transition to management if it's an internal transaction and or it might be an ESOP if the company is big enough and so I can I can work with I can work with uh, business owners to to meet them where they are and help them achieve that that vision yeah and I just think that you know whether you've never thought about exiting your business or whether you've worked on your exit plan a little bit or your growth plan but you haven't really gotten the results you wanted or maybe maybe you're pretty far into the exit planning process and you just want to make sure you're doing it right cuz like i said before you only get one shot at it i highly recommend people contact lori cuz i think lori can really help you um get your business aligned to get the maximum value and exit on your terms so thank you so much i really appreciate for you that you joined us uh, today for the podcast thanks tim thanks so much for having me it was a lot of fun Laurie and Tim, this has been fantastic. Uh, Tim, obviously, this is exactly why you brought Laurie on. What a great amount of information for your listeners. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you brought her on. Um, always educating the audience. That's what I love about you. Uh, so, Laurie, thank you so much for being here. And, of course, Tim, thank you for bringing her on. And our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Wealth Stream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.